to the God Coffee and Resilience Podcast, where you can get your weekly dose of confidence, motivation, and inspiration in the midst of adversity. In every segment, we will discuss faith, life's obstacles that try to get in our way, and how we can maintain our resilience with God and a whole lot of coffee. I am Reese, your host. Grab a mug of your choice and come on in. Back to God, Coffee, and Resilience with Reese. Thank you for joining us this morning for an interview with Miss D. Hake. She is a CRNA, an advanced practice registered nurse with over 15 years of experience. Okay, so she is here to share us, uh, share with us some inspiration and give us some look into um, what she does as an entrepreneur. Um, she is the founder of Wellness and Healthcare. And the mission of her um, organization is to help nurses take back control of their lives and mental health. And you guys know that even though I don't talk about mental health in depth as far as medicine-wise on my podcast, um, I'm always an advocate for mental health and I always like to talk about it and make sure that people are aware of their feelings and emotions and make sure that they know that it's valid. So I just want to say um, I'm really, really excited because she's one of the first interviews that we've ever had on this show. Um, So thank you so much, Dee, for tuning in and being with us this morning. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. So first off, before we get started, I just want to thank you um, so much for what you do every day for your patients and the sacrifice that you take every single day to put yourself out there and make sure you're caring for them and doing all of the things and even all of the entrepreneurial things that you're involved with outside of work. So I just want to make sure I give you some recognition for that because nurses are the backbones of everything. So (laughs) without you guys, I would be like completely lost or sometimes you you're there to kind of be that net and kind of grasp us. So I thank you for everything that you do. Well, you're very welcome. We're happy to do it. Yes. So for like a kind of an icebreaker type of thing during this interview, um, I wanted to ask you some questions, <laughs> some, some fun questions, sure. kind of like to break the ice. So I know we, we had a, a guest earlier <laughs> and um, you were telling me about uh, yes. your cat. <laughs> Yes. So I wanted you to kind of, um, yes, tell, give us some information about your cat. Tell us about, um, all, all the things, (laughs) all the things. So, um, that's, that was Mr. Morrison that made a little appearance. He's my black and white tuxedo kitty. Um, and he's going to be 11 this year. So he is still very spunky. (laughs) as you saw, but he's, um, he's great. I actually got him when I went back to grad school. I needed a little, little pet therapy, a little positivity in my life. So, um, I adopted him, um, right when I went off to school. So I've had him, well, for the, well, for almost 11 years now at this point, but, um, it was, it was a welcome spot to any sort of day I was having, if I was having a bad day or even a good day. So he's been my little study buddy all along. Now, do you have any other cats or is he, he's the only one that has your heart? <laughs> he's the only one that has my heart. I did grow up with cats all along, but um, mm-hmm. you know, later in life, just, just one. And I think 
think he likes to be the king of the house. Oh, man. Yeah, so he has his own personality, very much so. <laughs> oh, yes, very big personality. <laughs> oh, goodness. And I know, like, you are, you're very much so a jack of all trades. So you were kind of, like, when I asked you questions before the interview, and I was just like, tell me a little bit about yourself. You're kind of, like, into healthy lifestyle and things like that. And I know on the podcast, I have mentioned um, the 75 hard challenge. Have you heard of that challenge before? I think I have. I've never done it personally, but I've heard some people talk about it. It's got some interesting rules. It does. And I've mentioned, like, I think earlier on the podcast, or either I will be in upcoming episodes, um, my health journey and kind of some of the things or some of the challenges I struggle with, like a gallon of water a day, I, Lord have mercy, I struggle with that so much because it makes you go to the bathroom so much or <laughs> or like healthy eating. Sometimes <laughs> once you have a cheat day, you kind of like fall completely off the wagon and trying to make it like a health style, I mean, a lifestyle versus a diet or a phase. So do you have any type of, I guess, any type of tips that you could give for, um, health and wellness. So I have a couple ideas, a couple of good places to start. So the water, I feel like the water is so challenging and having to go to the bathroom all the time, but I always like to make my water a little bit fancy. So I'll like throw a few raspberries in, I'll put, I'll like crush up a few mint leaves and just stick them in the water. And it just makes it feel like a little bit of a treat. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm still behind on my water intake, but I try to make the water a little bit fancy. um, Mm -hmm. And that's like an easy way to get me excited about drinking it. And then I like to just start small with things. You know, you Mm -hmm. don't want to make giant sweeping changes that don't stick, but I say, okay, you know, if I'm going to go out to eat this week, maybe I'll, instead of fries, I'll get like a side salad with whatever entree I want, or, okay, I'm only going to have dessert like three nights this week. I just make really small goals. And then I'm like, okay, if I did good with three nights of sweets, then maybe next week I'll try two nights or, you know, just different little type of things. Or like, I'll have one more serving of of vegetables instead of going right to, you know, a starch or something, or like, maybe I'll have a little bit more protein, you know, just Mm -hmm. sort of tweaking what's on my plate. So I'm not so hungry. And then I have a little sneaky, sneaky workout tip. So we're all so busy these days and sometimes you just don't have time for a workout or you don't have time to plan it. Uh So I have gotten some very discreet ankle weights um, and they're like one pound ankle weights. They're very tiny, but they fit under the scrubs and no one Uh knows except for me. And I get this little (laughs) passive workout the whole time I'm running around, you're getting all your steps in. Now you're getting a little extra resistance. Oh, So I feel like that's a good... Yeah. And they're, I mean, you can find them online, super inexpensive and it's, you know, I kind of forget that I've got them on and they're only, I think they're, you can get like two pounds and three pounds. You can go all the way up if you want, but I do the one pound and I'm like, I don't really think anything's going on. And then you look at the mirror and you're like, okay, (laughs) that's one of my favorite tricks. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Especially because I used to have a water bottle where it had a little um, holder for mint leaves or like if you wanted to do lemon water or something like that. And I completely fall off, but I agree that like once you let it sit overnight and it, you almost forget you're drinking water. Like it is kind of like a treat and the, you, you really was innovative with the weight, with the ankle weights. I like that idea a lot because in in the office, I run back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, um, grabbing patients out of the waiting room and bring them back and grabbing. And like, when I look at my watch, I've done over like 3000 steps and it's only like before lunchtime. And I'm just like, Ooh, so 
Yeah, I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> yeah, and no, no one knows. And if you wear scrubs, you know, those things don't really flatter anybody. And like, no. they kind of hide everything. So you, no one needs to know. But <laughs> let me know what you think. I think you'll like it. It's like a secret way to work it in. Okay, I will definitely keep you up to date. Because now, now we're family, Miss D. So you can't get rid yes. of me. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. I love that. All right, my love. Well, dun, dun, dun. we're going to get into the discussion now. So I think one of my first questions I love to um, kind of start with is just give us kind of insight into your journey. Like, how did you get to where you are now? What inspired you to take the route um, professionally that you're in your, and pursue the career that you have pursued and kind of like your entrepreneurship or whatever you feel comfortable sharing. But I think it's very important to share your journey because you never know how many other people are interested in your field or interested in starting something like entrepreneur-wise and they may be lost or need a little bit of inspiration. And I always think it's great to kind of share your journey just to give other people hope <laughs> or encourage yes. others. Yeah. So, um, so I started with like back when I was a brand new nurse, um, mm -hmm. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And I didn't really find like a great fit through school. And then I spent a few days in the OR and I was like, Oh, I really want to be in the operating room. I think this is surgery was fascinating and I wanted to do that. So, um, I graduated and started in the operating room and we were in a facility where I got to scrub and circulate and, you know, see all the surgeries. And then I started looking around, I was getting like a little bit bored and I saw, you know, people at the head of the bed doing anesthesia. And I was like, Oh, what's, you know, let me ask you about this. And so I started asking more about it and finding out more about it. And one of my things during school, I was very interested in like biochemistry and organic chemistry. And then I was like, man, I don't really know if I'm going to do a career in this. So I, I felt that nursing and everything was a nice pivot. So I had talked to a few people at the hospital I was at and they're like, I think anesthesia would be a good route for you. And I you know, took that with me and I held on to it for a little while. I didn't do anything with it. And I went and did travel nursing and went all around the country. And then finally, like more years passed and I kept thinking about, okay, well, I'm kind of still bored doing this. Like I need a change. Um, and then I had, I, w I transferred to the ICU cause I know that's a prerequisite for going to anesthesia school. And I actually had my very first bout of exhaustion and burnout in the ICU, uh, which led me later in life to, to my side business, which, I, which I'll tell you all about, but, um, yeah. sort of in, in reevaluating things and trying to find a better way. It's, in listening to what I really wanted to do and following my path, I was like, all right, I've always wanted to do this. Let's go back, get back, get back to work, get back to being a, a healthy provider and right. then start that journey from the ICU to anesthesia school. So then I, I did that a few more years passed. I got into anesthesia mm -hmm. school, um, went through all that and I've been out and practicing for a while now and I'm glad I did it. It's, uh, yes. it's good. It's still, it's a different kind of care, but I love it. And it's, it's able to use more of my chemistry and, and, um, pharmaceutical background, which I really like. Yeah, I would definitely say one of my favorite rotations was my general surgery rotation. I still talk to the anesthesiologist. We exchange numbers. He's an older guy, but we text every now and then. And he really, really helped me <laughs> on my rotations when we would do like colonoscopies and things like that. And he would bring out the profile or the verset, depending. And he would push. And then, I mean, even though I was a student, but he would let me, he's like, go slow, titrate to effect. And I'm like, well, how do I know enough is enough? And he, he always taught me, look at the eyelids. And he's like, if you can touch their eyelashes without them jumping, then they're up, they're, they're out. I mean, and then I would do it. And I'm like, okay. He said, do not, before he let me push, 
because we had to kind of get to know each other. He said, I did this one time before with a student and they up and pushed the whole syringe and we had a whole code. Okay. So he was like, we're not going to do this today. <laughs> he said, push slow. <laughs> and I was like, okay. But luckily, like I was the profile pusher and I loved it. <laughs> so I had a little uh, taste. And that's some good. That's some good advice for sure. Go slow. Yes. He was like, please don't make us run a code. I'm like, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I don't want to do that. No one wants that. Oh, that's so funny. Yes, but it was so fun because you got a chance to kind of like see him do the jaw thrush and thrust and kind of like monitor the levels and everything. It was very complex, but very interesting because while the doctor was down there like doodling around and going through the colon and stuff and twisting and turning, the anesthesiologist was constantly like looking and making sure and monitoring the patient and, you know, giving more if needed. I thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And and no two patients are the same. I'm sure you know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, God bless you. (laughs) God bless you. Because you're like, all right, time to go to bed. They're like, count backwards from 10. And like by eight, they're out. And I'm just like, this is fun. (laughs) It's nice. It's nice to be that that person and have that like trust and rapport with them that they trust you that like, all right, Right. I'm going to. I'm going to go off to sleep now and like to to really kind of be the person to guide them through that. I feel like that's, I like to do that. Hopefully I instill confidence and comfort in them before that. Yeah, because I know for me, I've never had, like, I've only been put to sleep once when I had to get tooth extractions. And that was very nerve wracking for me because I'm like, what if they give me too much? Or what if they don't give me enough? Or what if I wake up? And I'm just, all those thoughts are going through my head. So it's nice to kind of have a, a someone there that gives you comfort about that because it's a scary time. It's it's very scary. Um, yeah. All right, right, my love. Well, definitely you said that you got you experienced burnout for the first time in the ICU. And mm-hmm. I kind of want to ask you some questions about that if you don't mind. Um, Absolutely. Go for it. Yes. Yeah, so like how did you how did you start to come to the realization that you were in burnout or you were experiencing it? Like what type of physical symptoms or I guess mentally, like what type of things were you going through? Were you getting frustrated with your job or kind of, how did you feel? And then how did you overcome that? So I, it, it sort of, it started, it starts slowly, right? It starts real Mm -hmm. to like sort of sneak up on you. And um, I had, I had moved to a new state. I had stopped traveling nursing. I had moved to a new state and, um, I was in a roommate situation that wasn't great. So mm-hmm. I started working nights and picking up extra shifts just to sort of avoid going home. And mm-hmm. I started picking up more shifts, which was fine. And then I get, was getting more tired and I wasn't really taking care of myself. So then I started getting the fast food every night or every morning when I would leave, I'd get fast food and go home mm-hmm. and eat. And I wasn't working out. I wasn't taking care of myself. And I started to feel more run down, and mm-hmm. I was getting, short with my coworkers or we were all kind of short with each other because we were short staffed and you know, tempers run a little bit high and everyone feels like they're working super hard. And, um, you know, you just feel like you, you're being asked to do so much. And then like you, you're not able to focus on the patient as much. And it's just like a lot of frustration. And, um, I just kept feeling, Oh, I'm so tired. I'll I'll handle this tomorrow or I'll handle this the next day. And my personal life was sort of falling apart because of Mm -hmm. neglect. So all these little things were happening. And then I didn't really realize how bad it had gotten until one day um, I was at work and I was, I always rush around because we all Mm -hmm. rushed around. Right. And I was rushing from the med room back to my patient's room and I actually passed out 
I like hit the floor, passed out. And I don't, I don't know how long I was laying there, but I opened my eyes and several of my coworkers were just standing over me. And long story short, I was, I went to the ER. I had like tests and scans and all sorts of stuff. And then I was forced to take some time off and then going Mm -hmm. back through this sort of signs and symptoms and like what me to this point, it was just, it was like a death by a thousand paper cuts almost in the, I should have noticed that like not taking care of myself and not eating well and, you know, not sleeping well. And then I was doing a little bit of numbing with some wine for a while, which I do not Uh recommend. Um, just different little things like that were sort of adding up. And then it sort of tipped me over into this. Just one night, my body was like, I've been screaming at you to feed me a vegetable. You know, you haven't slept in, you know, months and like all this Mm -hmm. stuff is happening. And I wasn't listening to those signs and symptoms. And then it was like, fine, you don't want to listen to me. I'm going to, I'm going to lay on that nasty hospital floor. (laughs) So, um, that's actually what, what was sort of what led me to that. Yeah. And I mean, I'm so sorry that that had to happen, but sometimes, like you said, your body was like, all right, you don't want to listen. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. It got my attention for sure. Yes. Because I know like I have a similar experience, but I wasn't, I've never been impatient. I've never worked impatient, always outpatient. Um, I'm still early in my career, but, um, I remember when I first graduated from school, I was taking boards and I went, it's like I went from school to boards, I immediately moved and then I was going through orientation and then I felt my boards and I was just like, what in the world? Like, I was just like, okay. So I had to regroup. I took a whole three months, studied my tail off intentionally because I wasn't really studying as much and you know, if you don't prepare, you're going to fail. So I was just like, okay, let me just really hone in and get focused. I did that. I passed, but then immediately after I passed, I went straight into working. I took no time off. I went through 27 months of school, immediately graduated, moved, took boards, failed, passed, started working. And it's like, when you first start in your career, you have to kind of figure out who you are as a provider. And I was just like, all I knew was who I was as a student and making that transition was a lot. And I had to do it by myself and figure out like, who am I as a provider? Um, What am I, how, like, how am I going to provide? Like, how am I going to take care of my patients? Is, am I going to do it this way or that way or kind of get a flow down and, and, and everything. And I think just everything just came crashing down on me at once, especially moving to a state where I didn't have family or friends. And all of this was brand new to me. And I had so much to figure out. I started noticing I did the same thing every single day. I would get up, go to work, eat lunch, finish work, come home, eat dinner. And then I would just sit on the couch and the TV would be on and I wouldn't even be watching it. I'd just be staring at the wall. And then as soon as the time comes for like eight or nine o'clock, I get up and take a shower and I go to bed. And it was the same thing every day because I didn't have any connection to this place. And it was all brand new. And I finally decided to go to therapy. And my therapist was just like, "Uh, do this, do this questionnaire for me. And I did it. And she was like, you're depressed. And I was like, me? (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, oh, I diagnose, no. like I treat depression, I diagnose depression, but I, I think I would know if I'm depressed. 
but she really had to point it out to me and she was like, I think you're experiencing burnout. I was, I was aggravated every day. I wasn't enjoying what I was doing after a while. I felt like I was tired all the time and I was running on a hamster wheel, kind of similar to how you were feeling. And I was just kind of like going through the motions and not really enjoying my day-to-day life. I took no enjoyment in anything. And so after like figuring out, you know, doing some reassessing and trying to figure out how I could make things better um, for myself as a provider and, you know, incorporating self-care and things like that, it got better. But making that transition straight from school into working and everything I had to do was a lot. So I I can definitely identify (laughs) with you on that. It took me down and I wasn't in a fun place. (laughs) No. Oh, man. No. So I mean, and especially like, especially the, we're not necessarily the best patients anyways. And to be like, no, I diagnosed this. No, certainly it's not me. I don't have this. And I totally, I totally resonate with that. Oh my God. I am the worst patient. (laughs) I'm the worst patient, but yes, definitely. So, I mean, which brings me to my next question I wanted to ask you about your uh, wellness and healthcare and kind of like the resources you provide for providers and nurses and like everybody, like all of the things. <laughs> so we try to be like a very inclusive community and it's, it's, you know, for anybody in healthcare and, but I feel like a lot of the things we talk about can also expand to other professions as well. Um, and healthcare is what I know. So that's what I talk about a lot. Um, but we, I, you know, as far as with the, with the nurses that I work with that are having exhaustion and burnout, we try to get to the root of really what's going on. Like what type of, what type of exhaustion is it? What type of burnout are you experiencing? What's, you know, are the contributing factors and how can we sort of guard against that? And, you know, there's articles for self-care and there's articles for um, how to combat a bad day or how to bounce back from like a really stressful shift. And there's a lot of mindset work like um, positive affirmations or journaling things to journal through a complex day, just different resources like that. And there's, um, in one of, one of the offerings I have, there's even a nutrition component about what, you know, what's on your plate and how that can help you with energy and boosting your energy levels and just different things like that. And, and how to create habits that will serve you, um, um, th- there's things that will serve you in the long run so that you can kind of stay ahead of the burnout and the exhaustion just to know what to look out for and to know what your own personal little signs and symptoms are that that's happening. So we try to offer a little bit of everything for what, what you might be comfortable with searching for first, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, is it just like um, handouts and things or is it like apps or like? So um, so on the, there's a bunch of website articles. There's mm-hmm. down like some downloadable PDFs and handouts. I do have, um, and so the, all those things are free. Um, mm-hmm. And I do have a course. It's a six week course, um, and that's got that's a, a paid a paid item, but it's got mm-hmm. the self assessment. It's got a bunch of handouts. It's video format for teaching. Um, but the majority of the resources I have are free, and they're either just articles or PDF downloads. Mm-hmm. Um, fun quizzes. I have like an exhaustion <laughs> quiz, a burnout quiz. I have some a TV nurse personality quiz. If you want to know who you'd be cast for in a TV role, it's just some fun things, but there's some, there's some meat behind that as well. There's sort of some, um, you know, you take the quiz and find out who your, who your online personality is or your TV nurse would be. And then we go into what are their potential character flaws and like, 
you know, what are things that you might mirror in your personal life and how can we make that better that for there you? There are resources out right. here it's, that um, they can identify There's always with some helpful help like them also, guidance and advice um, behind it all. You know, it is fun. It does get people to come and visit. Not until you do an actual assessment of yourself or somebody points it out to you. Like, yeah, through an assessment or online type of thing, you might not know that you're doing certain things or you need help with certain things. Like, you just go through life every day just thinking you're on website. I'm all right. I'm a little tired here. And I um, think I had um, so one of my closest friends, <laughs> she pointed out, out to me, she's like, awesome. your body is constantly yeah, saying, I'm hurt and I'm tired. That. And that's you're just like, oh, let's means. just take <laughs> some Tylenol and throw yeah, some icy hot on it. You just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm a terrible body, like, care person. Like, I'm just terrible. So, but it was funny. But she was, she was right. So with that being said, have you ever like encountered any type of stigmas or any type of um, backlash or pushback from pursuing like mental health um, and going to therapy? Or have you ever had a conversation with someone that was like completely against it or thought that um, it was something wrong with admitting that you needed that type of help? Uh, definitely. I, so I can definitely speak to a few different parts of that. Um, I know personally after, you know, I had explained about my passing out and all the, the exhaustion and burnout kind of culminating, I did have to take time off and I did see a therapist and I went to see um, like a counselor and things like that. And I know that people at work, they were not supportive and they were like, oh, you just, you know, you're not meant to be a nurse. You're not cut out for this. You can't hack it. So there was a lot of negativity. And then, you know, some of my friends that had reached out were like, oh, like, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you said it out loud. You're doing this. And it's like, well, I'm not going to hide what's going on. Like every, it was very public when I passed out, like everybody knew about it. So like, I'm going to be very public about how I'm recovering. And I had some other people once I eventually went back to work and everything that had reached out and said that they, they were worried about getting mental health services and that they, a couple of them had even gone um, and either been cash paying patients or had used a fake name and would not use insurance just because they didn't want it in their chart or they didn't want anybody to know because, and you know, I do think that the culture is changing a bit, but there is a little sort of underground or sort of undercurrent of the thought of like, oh, you just can't hack it or you just, you're just not made for this instead of no, we're made for this. We just need some support and some services to, to provide in the best way. So I think that there, the stigma is getting better. I think it does still exist, but right. I'm more welcoming about it. If I hear somebody talk about it, I'm, I hold space for them. I want to talk to them more about it. And if they want to hear about my experience, I'll share it with them, but I want them to know they're not alone and that I don't view it as any sort of weakness. Cause I think that's huge. That's important for them to feel supported. Yes, it is. And I mean, I just want you to know that like as part of this podcast and, and my brand is all about resilience and you are definitely a resilient nurse. You're a resilient person, a human being. And I like, I'm so tired of people making it seem like the mental health stigma make you seem not normal. And I'm just like everybody, especially since last year is experienced high rates of anxiety because now for the first time ever indefinitely, the future is unpredictable as far as where we're headed with the whole pandemic and everything and a lot of people don't like that feeling so even me as a mental health provider I've been seeing an influx in psychiatry and addiction medicine patients because a lot of people just can't deal with the stress and everything but for them to say you know 
to to question you in your career, I think that that took it a little bit too far. And that was like, that wasn't cool. That wasn't cool. And and you're right. Like, I, I really feel like the stigmas are getting better. Like it's a proven a little bit. There's celebrities or people mention it in songs or being more transparent or going on shows and talking about depression. And I know not too long ago, Michelle Obama said she was dealing with depression and things like that. And people are talking about it and making it more public. But then there are some families that just don't talk about it or it's it's just like oh it's just the emotional you feel down you just need to get over it and a lot of people don't realize the the these are chemical imbalances sometimes you need medication and sometimes all you need is therapy or to slow down and take care of yourself so um definitely i get it a lot on my end too and a lot of people not only are reluctant to go see a therapist but medications is a big like why are you taking medication for being sad or being anxious and things like that? And I think good patient education, a good breakdown. Sometimes I even have to go down to like all the way to the receptor. And I'm just like, this is why <laughs> for patients yeah. to kind of understand, I'm not just trying to stick you on medicine. I don't think that anxiety means you're crazy or depression or anything else. I feel like this is for you to improve your quality of life. And I think after people hear that, they're just like, oh, so it's not what I was thinking at all. And nine times out of 10, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not. I think that's, that's so huge. And to, to, the more and more people speak out about it, the more we can normalize it that way, yeah. that way they don't have that sort of hiding behind the, if I take this, this means I'm crazy. And we're like, no, it just, you can make your life better and more manageable, you know, and like, it just, there's a, a better light or a brighter light on the other, you know, once you're through this. Yeah. So. Yes. Yes, definitely. Now, I know that um, I mentioned the pandemic a minute ago, but I wanted to ask you, because um, I think it's important to kind of open people's eyes about this pandemic and let you know, yeah, it's real. How has your life changed um, <laughs> versus, I don't know, two, three years ago versus now during pandemic life? Like, how has work changed or picked up for you? And what are some of the challenges you face on a day-to-day -day basis? So, so originally when, when everything happened with the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. the hospital I'm at chose to, to sort of really, really limit the surgeries that we were doing because the, the risk of the procedures and because I'm in anesthesia, we do the breathing tubes and we place the airways. So it was a natural extension to use us in the ICUs. So we were doing, I went from my very nice cozy day shift in the OR to doing nights mm -hmm. and weekends and overnights in the hospital to um, put in breathing tubes and support the ICU nurses and just be an extra set of hands and put mm -hmm. in, we put in central lines for these patients and just try to help stabilize them because it was an all hands on deck situation. And um, it was a little, it was frustrating in the beginning because so many people didn't believe that it was real. And from mm -hmm. a personal standpoint, um, you know, the personal protective equipment that we use, like the masks and everything, I actually don't fit in a traditional mask. So I had to use this big external, like positive airway pressure device that I didn't have for a long time. And uh -huh. I actually had to go through several people above my supervisor to secure it for myself. So you, you go to work and you're trying to help people and you're just trying to do the best you can because everyone's just feeling the strain. And then you feel you're not protected and you don't have what you need to do your job, but you still have to take care of these people. So I feel like that was really hard. And then seeing so many people sort of deny it as a real thing or a real issue and be like, Oh, it's all made up. It's fake. Like that sort of stung a bit. Um, but now that 
you know, it's been going on. We're at, almost at the year mark at this point. Um, we've started back in the OR. We're mm-hmm. doing surgeries again. It's more like, more like emergency surgeries or cancer surgeries, things you don't want to wait right. um, and do in our ICU. Thankfully the volume is going back down and they don't need us to spend the night overnight in the hospital. And mm-hmm. so it's getting better. Um, there's still some misinformation, but I feel like by and large, the public is, is admitting that it's a real thing. So I feel like that's a yes. huge step. Yes, especially wow. with like the numbers are going up and now we have different strains and everything like that. And there are some people that are reluctant to get vaccinated and then there's that. So, I mean, I'm just glad at least we're making a little bit of improvement. We still have a long way to go. But I'm thankful for to have people like you <laughs> out here, like you're trying to help people in the sacrifice that you've made. I know it's not been easy. And I know, I mean, me coming from outpatient, I've never worked inpatient before because I'm just, I'm not a 12 hour person and straight out of school, I felt like that would be a whole lot for me. But I definitely have a huge respect for our frontline workers and everything that you guys do because goodness gracious, it's a huge sacrifice. And then you have to, you know, get off work and come back home to your family and you have to make sure you're protecting them. And it's always, you know, the thoughts. So thank you. (laughs) Oh, oh my goodness. (laughs) Of course, of course. And I think there is light at the end of the tunnel. I know we're all very tired of it and very like, we're ready for it to be over, but it's, we're making progress. We are. We are. There was a meme on Facebook that had a sign, a cardboard sign, and it was like, all right, COVID, wrap it up now. <laughs> Go home. I believe <laughs> This time we've had enough. We've had enough. No, really. It's time to leave. Yeah. So it was definitely, it's definitely nice, like interviewing you today. And I definitely want to thank you again. I've thanked you like a hundred times, but I definitely want to thank you again Uh, for everything that you do. And also taking time out of your Saturday to kind of talk with me and share your story and shed some light on what you do and how important it is to kind of take care of yourself. Um, I think that a lot of people are just like, yeah, self-care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have time, but I mean, your body will let you know, like you've brought to our attention when it's had enough. And I think that's really important. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's it's important to get out ahead of that. You don't want that to be the only sign you see along the along the way. (laughs) Right. Like if you can avoid it, especially right now, please do. Um, But I do think that COVID gave the world a nice slowdown a little bit, but not not for our frontline workers, but I guess for other people who were ready for, you know, the nine to five hustle and bustle of the week and every day felt like the same thing. And then COVID just came and paused everything. So I do think it slowed a lot of people down. But I think right now, because we've gotten used to it, a lot of people are kind of you know, speeding back up. And a lot of people are like, their Zoom burned out and their Zoom, (laughs) their virtual meeting burned out now. (laughs) And they're just over school and everything. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that, you know, in the future, either things will get easier or we'll overcome all of this and things will be better. But I know for sure, even though I'm not a fortune teller, but for sure this year will be a whole lot better than last year. I know that. (laughs) Amen. Yes, I am. I am so hopeful for that. Yes. So like what piece of advice would you give someone um, if they were um, interested in pursuing um, the the career that you're in or if they were interested in, um, you know, taking better care of their mental health or anything, any piece of advice you could give or any type of inspiration you could give our listeners today, what would it be? 
So, oh, I'm trying to think. There's, I have so many things that I'm thinking. Um, so if you're, for professionally, if you're thinking about like changing fields or changing like positions or just changing anything, go and shadow, just go and find somebody, shadow them for like a couple of days and talk to people while you're there. And you want to talk to the people that aren't just going to be like, everything's fantastic and wonderful. You want to talk to some people that are maybe like have a little bit jaded and want to tell you like the, the good and the bad. So that's my advice is definitely shadow, get yourself there and see what, see what the actual, what it is. Right. Um, and then if for, as far as like mental health or in self-care resources, there's, there's a lot available online. Okay. So if you're, if you're nervous about going to find a provider, or if you're nervous about going to actually pursue services, there's a lot available online. There's a lot of junk too. So be careful, but you know, start with something that, that calls to you or that seems like, okay, this is doable for where I am right now. Meet yourself where you are. Don't, don't go and pick some hundred day challenge or something that has, that takes two hours a day. If you don't have that, you know, pick five minutes a day to meditate or pick, you know, something you want to write about, like the, the worst thing about today or the best thing about today, you know, just start very small. And if you can see a positive change from that, maybe that's the time where you go and pursue a provider or even like a counselor or something, you know, you already know these small little things that are just free online or whatever you found, you know, sort of on online resources, if they're helpful, then the help of a professional could take you even further. So try to take little tiny bites along the way before you try to take a giant one. Yes. I agree with that one, including myself. You gave me some advice today, even though, <laughs> like I said earlier, I'm the worst patient. Sometimes I don't take my own advice. So it's nice to hear from someone else. I'm just like, yep, that's a good reminder because I need to listen to you and take that advice myself. Small steps, baby steps. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's, we can't, we can't wait for, you know, healthcare as a whole to, right. to focus on us. We have to put our own health back in healthcare and we're going to do it. It's, it might be a little bit of a slow road. It might be a little uphill, but we're going to make it happen. Yes, we are. I love that. I love that. And I also want to give the people a chance to find you on social media or follow your journey or to connect with you if they have any questions or they want to hear more about your business. Um, so how could they find you? Yes. Um, so I guess the, the wealth of resources and the, the best way to find me um, is on my website, which is wellnessinhealthcare.com. And um, for a little bit of inspiration in social media, I'm on Instagram at turnupyourhealth. So um, those are probably the best two places. If you are looking for something, you can't find it. There's always a little contact me or send me a little message. Um, it goes right to me. There's nobody else. So I will respond as soon as I can and get, get you whatever help or advice or point you in the right direction. Yes, and I'm definitely on the resilientpa.com. I'm going to get the website from Miss D, and I'm definitely going to put her uh, website under the resources tab so that you guys can also um, find her website there. So, and share this interview with anybody that you know. I want to get the word out about what she's doing and who Miss D is as much as possible and give someone some inspiration. I think all the things that she shared today were um, needed. And and very useful. And I think a lot of people can benefit from this interview and this episode. So again, Miss D, thank you so much for coming in. And I, I really do hope that you enjoy the rest of your weekend and stay safe out there. But um, just thank you for taking the time out of your busy Saturday to just chat with us for a moment and give us some inspiration because you are like all of the things. <laughs> we uh, oh, you're so kind. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I've really, really enjoyed our time together.
Yes. And until next time, guys, um, we will see you on the next episode of God, Coffee and Resilience. You guys take care. Stay safe out there. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of God Coffee and Resilience. You can also follow us on Instagram at God Coffee and Resilience Podcast. You can also follow the host, Reese, at The Resilient PA. And you can also check out our website at TheResilientPA.com.